This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cherryleaf Podcast. It's a snowy day here, so it's not a walking podcast this time. I'm in the room that we use for delivering our new virtual classroom training courses and also where we record our e-learning courses. And this podcast is a follow-up from podcast number 89, which we did back in June, which was about the end of corporate classroom training. And in that podcast, we talked about the issues around converting classroom training to be in a live online format. We talked about how Google was delivering training courses in that environment and issues about how it could be done. Well, we're now in February 2021, so that's what, seven months on. And in that time, we have progressed and we have been running virtual classroom courses. So that's classroom courses delivered over Teams, over Zoom with a live trainer. And I thought it would be a good time to recap and reflect on what's happened since then, what we took on board from the recommendations from Google and really what we've done since then, the courses we've introduced. So it's well worth going back and listening to podcast 89 if you're interested in delivering training in a live virtual classroom format. So we mentioned on that podcast that we had some classroom courses, specifically our policies and procedures writing course, which we were delivering at the Institution of Electronics and Technology by Waterloo Bridge which was great. You'd have these lovely views out onto the River Thames, but there were some issues over having enough people for it to justify running a course because you had to obviously hire the training room there. So we mentioned on the last podcast that the way that Google was doing it was to use a flipped classroom environment, splitting the course into two sessions of between two and a half hours and three hours each that there were delegates working in pairs on a single document and then they could break out to discuss the work or just go up and down the document and add comments or see what the other person was doing. And also that Google was having exercises that were roughly five minutes long. Well, Since then, we have introduced a number of virtual classroom courses and we've taken on board a lot of the recommendations that Google make for the way in which the course is structured and the way in which the trainer behaves and interacts with the delegates also. So now if you go to the Cherryleaf website onto the training page, you'll see a number of virtual classroom courses. There's the Policies and Procedures course, which is aimed at people that need to write policies and procedures. So outside of the technical writing area. And we've run that successfully as public course 
and also for internal teams for different organisations, including fire brigades and the like. And we've also introduced some variants on that, one that focuses on finance and accountancy-related policies and procedures, and another around IT and cybersecurity-related policies and procedures, those being for teams within organisations. We've also introduced a planning and managing UX or user experience virtual classroom course that's aimed at helping managers and teams to plan and manage UX work where they're developing online services, the foundations of UX, That's what that covers. And within the technical authoring sphere, what we've run is we've run in-house courses, so courses for teams within organisations. We've run a mainstream or a number of mainstream technical writing courses. So that's basically a live version of our e-learning course. And we've also introduced variants for that, which have been a technical writing course for developers. And there, there's the option of the course that Google has developed or one that we've developed or where we can add extra content or different content over and above what Google offers. And a course for support staff, people that are on support lines that also write documentation. So we've been busy and learnt quite a lot in the time since June. A lot of it reinforces the advice and experience from Google. So let's look at some of the aspects of that. One is the format. So the format that Google recommends of splitting one day into two sessions on consecutive days, that works well. So the courses that we run, we've been running 9 till 12 on day 1, 9 till 12 on day 2, or if we've got an international audience, then 2 in the afternoon till 5 o'clock. And occasionally for mainland Europe, delegates, an 8 o'clock start. And we have worked on the basis of doing about 15 minutes of teaching and then getting the delegates involved in some ways. So Every 15 minutes or so, an exercise or a discussion point where people aren't stuck just staring at a screen or staring at a trainer talking away. And at the top of the hour, breaking for 10 minutes so people can pop to loo or have a a cup of tea, grab something to eat, deal with any emergencies at that time. And that structure that Google used, we found, has worked well. Now, we mentioned on the last podcast that Google uses the flipped classroom format. So what they do is they have pre-course exercises that delegates have to complete before the live sessions. We've not done that. We have stuck to really taking people from nothing, no pre-course work, and then teaching them on the day. Something else that we mentioned on the podcast that Google recommends is having a classroom buddy or virtual assistant that can deal with any technical issues. Well, we haven't done that yet. We've managed so far to be fine with just a single trainer. And from a technical perspective, most things, well, so far, things have run pretty smoothly. 
We also talked on the previous podcast about familiarising delegates with Zoom or Teams or the platform and briefing them on how to mute and unmute themselves as and when it's needed. Well, in fact, I guess with where we are now, nearly a year of people working from home, people's knowledge of using these products, these virtual environments, online meeting applications is is so good that they, they don't need to be done, really need to be advised at the start of the course. Of course, people make mistakes and they start talking without unmuting themselves and you just have to remind them about that, but that's about it. What we have found is that it makes a big difference if delegates have their video cameras on, that from a Really, from both the trainer and delegate experience, it's much better that everyone can see each other rather than it just being delegates' disembodied voices that are coming out from the screen. Also, what we found, this has ended up with more courses being delivered specifically to internal teams, that the delegates have been more international in nature. It's been more than just people located in UK or the occasional delegates from France or Germany, that there has been quite a variety of locations, delegates being in India or the Middle East, in mainland Europe, even some in the States. And for those we've, as I said, we've done sessions which have started at two o'clock so they can attend the course Something else from the way in which Google recommended it was the online documents, people working in pairs and the issue that people these days don't necessarily have printers. We have done that and it's worked in general okay having the documents. The way that we've done it is to create a document for each pair of delegates, have that in Word and to create a space in SharePoint, put the exercises for each pair up into that space and then share that to the delegates. And then on the day they can open up the document and it will launch into the browser version of Microsoft Word and they can work away on that. Now, from our experience, the situation where delegates are then collaborating by using back channels, breakout rooms, instant messaging and the like. That doesn't seem to be happening so much as we would have expected. What we found is people still find it useful. They are adding comments within the documents between partners. And also it helps if you're stuck just to have a peep at what your partner's doing just to help you work and occasionally people have worked collaboratively on things but maybe the experience of using breakouts rooms or back channels isn't as great as just using the online meeting environments. Perhaps as people get more familiar and use breakout rooms and the like, perhaps that will be taken up more and be used more. Yes, so we mentioned on the last podcast equipment and the different bits of kit that you need. Because we've been delivering e-learning training, for we've had pretty much all the kit that we've required. We talked on the Podcast 89 about having two screens. 
what we found with that is that has been challenging. And what we've ended up doing is having one screen or one monitor, but to use as large a monitor as possible. We've got some new kits for where I'm based in Ashford, a larger monitor, and in Brighton, again, a larger monitor for that location. With the Brighton location, it's an all-in-one screen with the all-in-one computer, I should say, with a webcam built in. Here in Ashford, we did go with the idea that we had in Podcast 89 of using a digital SLR camera. Found that a little bit distracting, looking with that being behind the monitor. In the end, what we've done is put that into a black box and painted the interior with a non-reflective paint, in fact, blackboard paint, so that it's less distracting, harder to see. The bigger screen, if you are training, if you are thinking about delivering training, the advantage of that is that you can see more delegates at the bottom of the screen, because the screen's wider, and those delegates are bigger than they would be if you're just viewing them on a laptop. The way that we deliver the training is there are slides and then there's the presenter. So the bulk of the screen is taken up by the slides themselves, rather than it just being a lot of different faces as per the classic Zoom call. One thing we've learned is the importance of good lighting. And we have used the umbrella lights that we have for recording the e-learning courses and have those besides the desk for the trainer. And that gives enough light onto the trainer and an even light. Another thing we did was actually to repaint the green screen that we use for the e-learning courses, just so it's a little bit bigger, a little bit wider. That can help with a live virtual classroom environment. There's no distractions behind the trainer. And also it's clear who is the trainer. They are typically the only person with a plain green background behind them. I don't think we mentioned lapel mics last time on episode 89. Now, what we're doing in Ashford, not yet in Brighton, but in the Ashford location, is we're using lapel mics on the trainer for when they're running the course. There is a temptation when you're delivering a course, if the monitor is some distance away, maybe 70 centimetres, a metre away, to shout, to project your voice to where you think, or your brain thinks the delegates are. By having a lapel mic on, it means that you can shout less, you can talk at a more normal voice. And that can help in terms of the trainer's curse of the croaky voice. Because if you're talking for three hours and then three hours the next day, you can end up with a little bit of a raspy voice. By using a lapel mic, it means that you can talk at a quieter volume and protect and save your voice. In terms of handouts, we have been delivering those as PDFs. We've been sending those out prior to the course so that for those that do have printers, we mentioned on 
episode 89, not everyone does these days, they can print them out and scribble over them, or they can have them up on the screen if they want as they go along. And then at the end of each session, what we've done is we have sent the answers also as a PDF to the exercises that people have been doing. So the biggest difference and the thing that we have probably made the greatest changes as we've gone along in delivering these virtual classes has been in the structure of the course itself and trying to make it as interactive as possible. In episode 89, we talked about Nick Shackleton-Jones and his thoughts on training in a corporate environment, but breaking it up so that there is a bit of training and then getting the delegates to do some work, a bit more training, getting them to do some more work. So the same things that we mentioned about the interaction with the students that Google recommended in the previous podcast, we've kept the seven seconds and naming somebody specifically when asking questions, that's worked well, that's been reinforced as being correct. Also giving delegates five minutes for the exercises. As a delegate, it feels like no time at all. It does feel very short time. As a trainer, it feels like an absolute age just waiting for that. And there's only so many exercises you can get somebody to do without really eating into the teaching time and actually having sufficient time to cover the teaching points that you want to teach. So that's really been our experience so far of delivering virtual classroom courses. Luckily, we've not had any technical issues so far and it's gone pretty smoothly of course with a lot of these things the more you do them the more tiny small improvements you make to the course to the way it's delivered and that's helped a lot and you learn learn as you go along what will happen in the future we're still in lockdown people are being vaccinated and it's likely that people will be going back to working in offices at some point in 2021. What will we do with the way in which we deliver the courses? I suspect we will continue offering the courses that we offer now as virtual classroom courses as virtual classroom courses. One advantage is that we have flexibility on the amount of delegates that we teach we don't have the cost of hiring a room anymore. And in fact, we've for the public courses, we've lowered the prices a little bit to reflect that. Oh, by the way, we've got a public policies and procedures course coming up in March. That's on our website. I should mention that. It does give the flexibility for companies where they have staff members around the world for them to take advantage of the training bundle people together from all different locations so that's an advantage and splitting it into two sessions also makes it easier to manage and schedule the time to an extent so we will probably keep those going we'll see whether there's the demand for classroom courses if there's interest in returning to the institution of electronics and technology there may well be organizations that want their in-house teams taught all together 
in a classroom and the trainer going out to deliver that there. If that's what organisations want, then we'll be happy to deliver it in that way. But I suspect the virtual classroom will be a little bit cheaper because you won't have issues of the time and money for the trainer to go to the venue as to where the course will be provided. We'll also keep the e-learning courses in the same format as they are for, for most of them. We now have the option with the technical writing course, as I mentioned, to deliver that as a virtual classroom course. But one of the advantages of e-learning is that people can go at their own pace. They can start the course and if something comes up, they can stop and then they can return at some point later, weeks, perhaps even months later, and restart the course. And they can do it at the times that suit them. Oh, I should mention, if you want to know more about the virtual classroom courses that we now offer, they're on our website, cherryleaf.com forward slash training. And if you have experience either as a delegate or as a trainer, of delivering training over platforms such as Teams and Zooms, then share your experience. We'd love to know how you do it and whether you do things the same or differently, if you've got any tips or tricks that are worth sharing. And you can contact us at info at cherryleaf.com. So that's it for this podcast, really a follow-up from one that we've done in the past if you have time, it would be wonderful if you could rate our podcast on iTunes. It does help other people come across, learn and discover that this podcast exists. Otherwise, once again, thank you for listening.